Plagiarism will be a common theme today. There's another one on the printer if you want to grab it. So, all right, I'm going to do something, and I, I, I don't have the notes because they're sitting in the thing, but I'm going to start with number four. You're like, what, what, kind, of, what kind of world is this? Uh, well, because number four is where I'm going to go through some more material. This is... This has been, this chapter is somewhat about forgiveness. And so I'm, and I, as you can see here, this uh, comes from Ken Sandy. He wrote a book called The Peacemaker. Uh, that book has turned into a whole ministry. He runs uh, Peacemaker Ministries, which is about, it's a ministry that dedicates itself to helping other ministries who are having conflict to... Uh, <clears throat> to work those conflicts out. So we're, yeah, reconciliation, correct, yes. You, see, I want it to be noted that Pastor Travis is the one who used the big word. I was, I was trying to use simple words. I, I never try to use a big word when a diminutive one will do. And so, uh, but there's Pastor Travis laying down the, the college graduation words. So, but we're going to go through a, a theology for conflict resolution, okay? And so when we are talking about how to forgive someone, uh, conflict is not necessarily bad. We'll start with that. It's not destructive. Even when conflict is caused by sin, and I will say it almost always is, um, and it causes a great deal of stress, God can use it for good. If you don't believe me, look up Romans 8 towards the end. And when it talks about the golden chain of salvation, for those he foreknew, he also predestined, he also called, those he called, he also justified, those he justified, he also glorified. All the stuff God does for us, but it starts with, and we know that God works all things together for good to those who are called. So, uh, so it, we know that when we are saved, God uses all of these things for our good. Um, so, so we know that conflict can, be, can produce good things. So what do we want to come from conflict? There are generally three things we'd like to come from it. We'd like for God to be glorified. That should be at the top of the list. We'd like us to serve other people by helping to bear their burdens or by confronting them in love. Okay? If we can help bear their burdens through conflict or we can confront them in love to make them better, that is the second thing. Or the third thing, grow to be like Christ by confessing our sin and turning from attitudes that promote conflict. So conflict can have at least three good things. You may have others, but they generally will fall into one of these three categories. Either glorify God, helps us serve other people, or helps us grow to be like Christ ourselves. So these, con these concepts are usually overlooked. But when we have conflict resolution, there are four things, and they're, they're generally called the four G's. And the reason for that is they all start with the letter X. No, no, G. They all start with G. Sorry, sorry. All right. And the first step, whenever we have conflict with someone and we're trying to work it out, the first step needs to be glorify God. We need to go in and say, hey, look, when the Apostle Paul urged the Corinthians to live to the glory of God, 
He says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. He was not talking about coming in an hour on Sunday morning, or for those of us who are here, the extra spiritual people I like to call us, two hours. Okay, not, not just that. Um, well, there you go. Yeah, some, some people are really, really spiritual. Um, but we can glorify God in the midst of conflict by trusting him, obeying him, and imitating him. So one of the best ways to keep concerns uppermost in our mind is to regularly ask ourselves this focusing question. How can I please and honor the Lord in this situation? So before we talk to anyone about about conflict and, and where this conflict is coming, we should start with making sure we're trying to glorify God. If we're addressing someone and we think, that's not really to glorify God, the reason I'm interested in this is not for the glory of God, we should think twice about doing it. Maybe even three times. Okay, so that's the first G, glorify God. For those of you who are taking notes. The second G, get the log out of your own eye. Whenever you have a conflict, if you come at it, and this was in the chapter that we just talked about, if you come at it and you see yourself as first sinned against, you will come from the wrong point of view. You must start by saying, I am first a sinner. So before I even go to you, we've, we've talked, we, there are how many G's of conflict resolution? There's four. The first two, glorify God, get the log out of your own eye, don't even deal with the other person. We, we need to make sure we're glorifying God and then we need to get the log out of our own eye. Okay, and this comes from Matthew 7, 5, if you're not familiar with this. Jesus says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, I, I love sometimes when the Bible speaks in hyperbole. Because I don't think it's possible to have a big telephone pole coming out of your eye. I just don't think that's physically possible. But you can see if you have some big impediment... Like, you got to remove it before you can worry about the speck in someone else's eye. It's kind of like the person who comes up to you and is like, oh, man, you know, I really, I really think you should uh, comb your hair better. And then you look at them and they got the bozo, the clown look. No. Uh, you, like, there's something about you need to make sure, take care of your own stuff first. Um, so, anyway, that's kind of the thing. Uh, Philippians 4, I don't know how many of you know this, but it starts like verse 2. I think it's like, beseech Yodis and beseech Syntyche, they be the same mind of the Lord. It's talking about conflict in the Philippian church, and he goes through it. Um, what? Okay, all right. Um, yes, because uh, everyone wants to hear me quote Philippians 4 too slowly. What? I beseech you, Odious, and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Uh, but then you get to verse 4, where it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Uh, but he's telling you to rejoice through conflict, and he takes you through the conflict that was happening in that particular church. Okay. So, so anyway, you get the log out of your own eye. Um, the most important aspect of it of getting the log out of your eye is to go beyond the confession of incorrect behavior and face up to the root cause of that behavior. 
Okay? So it's not just say, well, this is the mistake I made. Go beyond that and say, look, this is, why, this is what I'm doing, and I think this is why I'm doing it. And some of the desires are obviously sinful, uh, such as you want to conceal the truth, bend others to your will. That's what I like to do. Uh, have revenge. Those are all things that can happen. And so it's not just say, I know I brought some negative aspects to this relationship. I know I'm not perfect. It's not just saying that. It's realizing what you're doing and the root cause of why you're doing that. And that's important for conflict resolution when you have, if you're attempting to get forgiveness. So anytime you become excessively preoccupied with something, even if it's a good thing, and you seek to find happiness, security, or fulfillment in it rather than in God, that's idolatry. So some people accuse me of having idols, and I don't like it, so I just say, get on it. No. Uh, okay, so that's, those are the first two Gs. The third G, this is the first one that deals with the other person. You gently restore. Okay? We, we promote the G in gentle because a key principle to keeping peace, peacemaking, if you will, involves an effort to help others understand how they contributed to the conflict. But when Matthew 18 talks about going to see it and it says, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. So if you just read this verse in isolation, it seems that you always go to direct confrontation to force others to admit they've sinned. But when you read it in the context of the whole chapter, you see that Jesus had something better in mind. Uh, he wants you to gently restore, to, to come across gently so that you are humble in your going before them. Because if you just come in and say, hey, look, this is where you blew it, it kind of does, unravels the first two steps you just took. You're not seeking to glorify God at that point. You're not getting the log out of your own eye. You, the, the way you can gently restore, the way you can humbly come before someone is making sure those first two steps are done. And that's how you come in and you gently restore. Okay? So... When you go talk to someone, an offense can, a lot of offenses can be overlooked. For example, if you ask yourself, is the offense seriously dishonoring God? If the answer is no, you might not need to, you might not need to address it. Has it permanently damaged a relationship? If the answer is no, you might not need to address it. Is it seriously hurting other people? If the answer is no, you might not want to address it. I'm plagiarizing myself from my earlier answers. Yeah, plagiarism is the main topic for today. You'll see. All right. Is it seriously hurting the offender himself? And if the answer to any of those is no, you, again, you might not want to address it. Now, if the answer is yes, then the offense is definitely too serious to overlook. And so then you want to say, okay, hey. So some ways you can help make sure you're gently restoring is you pray for humility and wisdom. You plan your words carefully. A lot of times if you just speak 
emotionally, at least if you're me, you might tend to come across a lot more, a lot less gentle. Uh, but if you, if you write your words down, if you, if you do it, and that can help. If you anticipate their likely reactions and plan appropriate responses. Sometimes you may want to rehearse this. Choose the right time and place. Okay? Sometimes just the environment in which you approach someone can, can hurt you. You assume the best about the other person until the facts prove otherwise. Uh, if, you need, if you need justification for that, go to Proverbs 11.27. You have to assume the best of them. And, and as Christians, as we heard in the chapter, it's easier to, it's easier to do when we realize that we are first sinners and then second sinned against. Listen carefully to what they say. Speak only to build them up. Ask for feedback from the other person and then recognize your limits. Only God can change people. We can only deliver them the message and, and then go. And then the fourth G, the fourth G is go and be reconciled. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, in a podcast that you may hear coming up shortly, there is a discussion about holding an offense against someone. And you say, well, I forgave them, but I've got this trump card I'm going to. I'm going to hold on to. And if that's, if that's your attitude, that is not being reconciled. You go and be reconciled by... Uh, this, is, this is a unique fe- feature of biblical peacemaking. The way of the world is not to do this. The way of the world is to hold on to offenses and to say, this is the trump card I will play when the time is appropriate. That is what is normally done outside of the church. But... Uh, For those in the church, we want to be reconciled. We can have genuine forgiveness and reconciliation. If this is done correctly, this is something you can look back on for years, years later and say, hey, this is how it was done. I don't know how many of you remember the story of Paul and his missionary journeys. On his first missionary journey, he went with, with a guy named Anyone know? Mark. Well, Mark was in there, yes. Barnabas. Most people don't name Mark first, but yeah. Uh, but he would do it with Barnabas. Yes. Who we know Barnabas' name was actually, what, Joseph? But that's another story. Uh, but so he went with Barnabas and Barnabas' nephew named Mark. And Paul and Barnabas had, had a difference of opinion. Uh, Barnabas thought they should keep Mark on board, and Paul said he's not as committed, and they split, and they went on separate missionary journeys from there. Later, you see Paul in his writing say, tell Mark I said hello. This is the West paraphrase. Um, And the reason he said this, because he is profitable for me to the ministry. So, So I don't know And it is not detailed, the steps that they went through to get to that point. But this much I know is that they became reconciled. And this is something that doesn't often happen outside 
Christianity. People will say, I may forgive them, but I'll never forget. If you've ever heard that expression, that's not true Christian forgiveness. Why? Because you're not completely reconciled. Now, I don't want to go overboard and say you shouldn't think that at all. There are certain things that, for example, if you have a convicted child molester, you don't want to put that guy in children's ministry at a church. That's a bad idea. You can forgive them and you can, you can serve with them in certain ways, but you don't want to do that. Similarly, you wouldn't want to put you know, an alcoholic in charge of uh, you know, watching wine. You don't want to put... It's just... It's, there are certain things that you, that you want to be wise with. So, but on the whole... Reconciliation is possible in a Christian context, and that is the goal. So when we talk about forgiveness, the four G's, those come from Ken Sandy, Peacemaker Ministries, great ministry, uh, can't, can't talk about them enough. And uh, those, I know you're very anxious, the four G's, and that, that's the alliterative device. They're not all pronounced the same, though. Some of them are hard G's, some are soft G's. But those are the four steps. The first two deal with outside things. Make sure you're glorifying God. Get the log out of your own eye. Then you talk to them, you do it gently, and then you go and be reconciled. So there's four steps. Only one involves confrontation, if you will, with the other person. That is because most of forgiveness is not on the other person. As the chapter that we just read said, it's that person may never change. But if you hold on to that, uh, what, what is the expression? Some of you might be able to help me on this. Uh, not forgiving someone is like it's you. You're trying to. You're trying to. You're you're starving yourself and hoping the other person suffers or something like that. I, I'm sure I botched that, but that's that's the concept. That's what it is. You are. You are hoping that the other person changes and you're the one who's not forgiving. It, it doesn't work. I, I had a, a previous church I used to go to. A guy I had worked with and we had done some stuff and he wanted to leave the church. And he went to the pastor and said, hey, I want to leave the church. And he said, well, why? And he said, well, I've got listening. And one of the five things on his list was Matt West offended me. <laughs> And so he said, well, you should talk to Matt West about that. Like the other stuff, maybe you should leave, but go talk to Matt West. So he came to me and he said, yeah, I don't know if you remember this, but about seven months ago, we had a conversation and this person, the third person involved in this conversation said this and you left. Okay. And he said, yeah. And I just have never forgiven you about that. It's caused conflict. Every time I've seen you, I've been frustrated. I said, man, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to laugh. That was, you know, and, and what happened was for seven months, every time this guy saw me at church, he was frustrated, angry, but like, I didn't even know. Like he talked to me. He's like, I had no idea that you felt this way. And so he was holding on to this, hoping that I would suffer. And really the only one who was suffering was him. I'm sure I have even worse stories about myself, but I don't remember them. So 
we won't talk about that. But, but this, is, this is the concept, is forgiveness is important not just for the person you're forgiving. That's nice. But it, it's better for us. We are benefited when we forgive. When we can truly be reconciled with that person, whether or not they ever change, that benefits us. And that's what uh, this chapter was about. So, the first three uh, points, which we skipped for now, but or we skipped previously, now we're coming back to them. So, I will give you 45 seconds to read those to yourself silently, and then we'll take a vote on which one we want to talk about. Does anyone have a preference? I, I see a vote for three. So far it's winning, one to zero to zero. Does anyone want to vote for a number other than three? Three is good. good. Okay, we'll talk about three. So I, I, I tell you, I sidebar, and then we'll get to, question, to number three. Uh, I really liked, maybe it's just because I like the story, but I really liked the story of Jean Valjean in the, uh, when he talked about that, I, I thought I liked that story anyway. Okay. All right. Sidebar done. Number three. In fact, the person you are forgiving might never change. That's okay. Because forgiveness has a benefit to forgive too. We get a chance to love like God loves. Even if showing grace never changes those we forgive, it changes us. And that is God's primary purpose in all that is happening to us in this life. Paul says God is working all things in our lives together toward his good plan of conforming us to the image of his son. Ultimately, I'm responding to Jesus, not to the person in front of me. The person wronging me may not deserve a response of grace, but the Jesus who bled and died for me does. Uh, does anyone have something they want to say about that? Or you just want to hear me talk about it? So, anyone? No one's got anything, Dad? I've got some extra A's that I didn't give out last week. All right. If, and remember when we talked about the four steps that, from number four, the four G's, I should say, four G's. Uh, when we talked about it, it is not dependent upon how they respond. We need to seek to glorify God. We need to seek to get the log out of our own eye, and we need to be reconciled if we can. We try to restore them. If they don't change or they refuse to see their sin, if we agree to not hold it against them, if that is something we do, 
their response, it matters to them, but not to us. It will not continue to weigh on us if we forgive them. If we forgive someone, and again, I don't, I don't think we should forgive someone and just ignore and, and not be cognizant of the fact that our lives have changed. That doesn't mean we don't change what we do. But if we forgive them, it will not eat at us. We will not be that way. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about forgiveness. When it says gospel-centered relationships, if our relationship is centered on the gospel and we put that first, it does not matter if the other person does what they're supposed to do. It only matters for us. We, are not, we don't have to answer for them. My mom, when I was growing up, I would always, I would always say something like, well, Johnny over there stinks because he does whatever. And her response was always the same. I, I could tell what it was going to She would start the phrase and I'd be like, she would say, but who are you responsible for? And the answer was me. So does it matter what Johnny does? Well, not to me. No, I, you do what you're supposed to do. And if Johnny does it, great. He can join you and you guys can accomplish great things. And if Johnny doesn't, forgive him. Be as reconciled as you can. Move forward with that knowledge and go ahead and live the way you're supposed to live. And this is, and this is what this is about. This is what J.D. Greer is getting at. He says, the person you are forgiving might never change. And yet, we still have to forgive them. And, and as he started the chapter, this is easier for us to do when we realize the mercy that God has shown us. In conjunction with what was said in here, I had a friend, I know it's shocking, he used to always say, if you're not the biggest sinner you know, you might want to reevaluate. And yes, cognitively, Paul probably knew that Nero or Judas may be worse, but the reality is we are more cognizant of our own sins. And as long as we recognize first that we're a sinner and second sinned against, we will come into a relationship more ready to forgive. So, all right, uh, let me close this in prayer and then we go. Dear God, we thank you for your extravagant forgiveness. We pray that you would help us to show that to others. That would be the symbol of our loving you. As you have been to me, so I will be to others. We pray that as you speak to us today through your servant Travis later, that our lives would be forever benefited. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.